You can be seated tonight, John chapter 2, Gospel of John chapter 2. Gospel of John chapter 2, we're actually going to read a verse or two out of one. John chapter 2. There ever was a chapter I think I wish he'd have left out of the Bible. It might be this one. <laughs> no, it's a perfectly good chapter. People are just perfectly dumb. I, you know, they, he says stuff like that sometimes. No. Well, uh, yeah, I do. Because <laughs> it's one of those places that people read what they want to read instead of what it says and what it's intended to be. Yeah, I, uh, that's called eisegesis, by the way. <laughs> Give you some $50 preacher words. They used to be $10 preacher words, but inflation has taken its toll. <laughs> eisegesis, that is when you take the text and conform it to what you already believe. Say it what you want it to say. Exegesis, which is proper, is when you read the text for what it says and then apply it to your life. I just this week had to change my mind on something I believe all my life. Scripturally, I'm not, I've changed my mind on some things all my, a lot. A lot. Uh, but scripturally, I had to change my mind on something I believed all of my life. And I'm not even going to tell you what it is right now. I'll tell you later. The rest of you, maybe never. <laughs> you know why I had to change my mind? Because I was wrong. You know why, how I knew I was wrong? Because the Word said I was wrong. And that's what you've got to do. But most of us dig in. And I said us. I'm, I'm included. You've got to let the Word speak. Well, that's probably an important little side speech tonight. Um, <laughs> Let's read in John chapter 1 first. There's something you've heard me teach on weeks, and, but it's, it's important right here. Verse, John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Word became flesh. Y'all know that John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. Yes? Goes on to talk about everything was made by Him, and, and without Him, what, nothing was made that was made, etc., etc. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about Jesus, the living Word. And we beheld, we, People of his day, John and the, and the, and the first-hand people, we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we beheld his glory. It's important. I want you to read, we're going to read chapter 2, verse 11, and then we're going to fill in. How's that? Chapter 2, verse 11. This beginning of signs 
Well, let me go ahead and fill you in since we skipped it. We're going to read it. The beginning of signs was Jesus turned the water into wine. This, now read it. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Okay? Let me read chapter 2, verse 11 from the New Living Translation. Would that be all right? This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. This miraculous sign was the first time that Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Why is that important? And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then chapter 2, and this being the first, was the beginning, the first sign and manifestation of his glory. I'll tell you, can I go ahead and tell you why that's important? There's, there's a couple of reasons why that's important. If you had never been here on Wednesday night, we teach on Wednesday night, almost every Wednesday night. We most of the time teach through a book. Say, how do you do that? Well, just hang on to your seat and you'll find out. How do you do that? We do it in a, in a, in a very methodical, systematic way. And most of the time we're not boring. And we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. John chapter 2 verse 11, this was the beginning of signs when Jesus manifested his glory. His disciples saw it and believed. The sign was, the first sign, the first time Jesus manifested his glory was he turned the water into wine. So I can tell you exegetically without any question that Jesus turning water into wine was, only, was not about the party. It was not about the wine. It was not about the people. It was about him. It was him manifesting or making his glory seen and known on earth. The first act of a, of a miracle of power. And, and, and the miracle was about him. John 1 and 14, and, we, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we, be, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 2, verse 11, and this was the beginning of signs. This was the beginning of signs. Not the only sign, it was the first sign. And manifested, of, in, that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So, before we even, before we even start reading the scripture, I've done this on purpose, because... People are ignorant on the first miracle. There are people that don't know anything about the Word of God. Nothing. Somebody say nothing. I have found that people who know nothing about the Word of God know two or three things. They know Jesus turned water into wine. They know that Paul told Timothy to have a little wine for his stomach's sake. And they know judge not lest thou be judged. And everybody I've ever known that that was the only three things they knew about the Word of God had them all three wrong. 
period. Hello. That didn't even cost you an extra offering. That's just the beginning. That, uh, the, the water to wine was the beginning of miracles, the beginning of his glory, and that was just the beginning of Wednesday night. John chapter 1, or John chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read. Are you there? If you're not there, it'll be on the screen. On the third day, this is actually talking about the third day since he left the wilderness. I ain't even going to, man, I could get into talking about something right now because John chapter 1 mirrors Genesis chapter 1. Everybody most, not, well, I shouldn't say everybody because I should never assume everybody knows anything. But if you, let's put it this way. If you've been here through the teaching of the first chapter of John, you know that. And if you'll go through and start finding out on the first day, on the second day, on the third day, and, and John, you're going to go through the creation just like in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. It's a pretty amazing thing. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And I'll go ahead and insert, was already there. Mary was there when he got there. Likely, although not absolutely, likely as a relative of the bridegroom, uh, which would have made her part of the responsible family for the wedding feast, which probably means Mary had a role in the preparation. That's why you're going to see some things as you walk through. It says when on, on the third day was the wedding of, of Cana, uh, in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was already there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. So let's stop here a second. Instead of just reading. The wedding feast in that day and age was a big deal. Uh, usually about a week long. Uh, the, the events around the wedding were, were you involved the whole family and a lot of times the whole neighborhood or the whole town. And the bridegroom, the groom, which we would call the groom today, was responsible for the wedding feast. And when there was a failure in the wedding feast or something that wasn't fulfilled in, in the covenant the, uh, of the wedding, of, of the agreement of how the wedding should go off, it, it could actually fall and become a legal matter. The bride's family, the, the bride's family could actually file suit or, or, or sue the groom's family. Interesting. And so we see that, that uh, and, to turn, and to be invited and to turn down an invitation would be a huge insult to the family it would be a a shunning a a a it would be a, a point of division it wouldn't be like well we're busy Saturday night and we're not coming to your wedding it would be like we don't want anything to do with your family we're done with you are you with me so keeping in mind mother Jesus Mary was um already there Jesus and the disciples were invited and here they come and they get there and Mary says to Jesus, they're out of wine. And he said, it's not my problem. That's literally what he meant. He says, and Jesus said to her, verse 4, what, what, does, what does your concern have to do with me? There's the indication that Mary was probably part of the family. Or one of the indications that Mary was probably part of the family it was one of the indications that she probably had some responsibility in the preparation, possibly, is that he shows up, 
They're out of wine. It's not my problem. It literally means, so y'all don't think I'm being flippant with the word. He says, what, what, what woman? What does your concern have to do with me? It's not my time. You say, well, Jesus was rude. He called his mother woman. Whew. Well, it, didn't, it, it wasn't exactly the same kind of greeting as we would call it today. Now, Jason calls Catwoman. Not Catwoman, but <laughs> Jesus, Jason calls Katrina woman. <laughs> yeah. Think about Jesus on the cross. Fast forward. He sees his mother and he says, woman, behold my son. Yeah, it wasn't a slap at his mother. Now think about what she's asked. They're out of wine. Well, she's thinking, man, she's Jesus. He's like, hey, when you got a problem, you're getting your son's Jesus. You just say, hey, Jesus. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, G. We got a problem over here. Well, hold on to that thought because what you've got to consider is Jesus had never manifested his glory Amen. before ever. There would be no expectation whatsoever of a miracle. None. She has no reason to expect a miracle. Probably has some indication because Joseph is not mentioned anywhere in the, in the gospels past the birth of his birth. And, well, actually, his time at the temple. Remember when he was 12 years old, they took him to town, and, and they couldn't find him. They got three days out of town. They said, where's Jesus? He, she said, I thought he was with you. And he said, no, I thought he was with you. And there's been more kids left at church that way. <laughs> but they were three days out. Where's Jesus? I thought you had him. No, I thought he rode with you. No, I thought, well, they had to go back and find Jesus. And they got there, and he was teaching in the temple. And they, and... Don't you, where you been, Jesus? He said, what do you mean? Don't you know it must be about my father's business? Yeah, and that's the, and that's the last thing you hear about Joseph. Uh, and most scholarship agrees that Joseph was probably much older and it probably died somewhere in the meantime and, and Jesus was the go-to and the, and the breadwinner and the, you know, he was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. Even Jesus worked. <laughs> I, I didn't, that's not a point, but it could be. <laughs> Amen. Somebody, somebody grab on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Somebody grab on. That's not, one of my, that's not in my, my pointed notes, but it could be a, a big point. Even Jesus worked. <laughs> yeah, Paul did too. Paul told, Paul told the New Testament church, by the way, not the old covenant where people think God was different. <laughs> Y'all know people think God was different in the Old Covenant. God wasn't different. God's still not different. God, he, God is, I'm the Lord your God, I never change. He never changes. Well, he was smoking people right and left, and he was like, no, you're, you're, you're missing something. What you don't understand is you deserve to be smoked right now. Y'all know, that's what you're missing. You're missing something. What you don't understand is Jesus bought something for you, whether you accept it or you don't accept it. 
He bought something for you. He, he purchased something from you at Calvary's cross. God has not changed. And his attitude towards sin has not changed. And the penalty of sin has not changed. And even in Romans chapter 8 tells you that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Let me tell you, the, the, the penalty of sin has not changed. What happened is Jesus took the penalty of sin upon himself and it bought you some time. God has not changed. <laughs> They're out of wine. What's that have to do with me? There's a lot to unpack. I don't, let me just read it all. Then we'll come back and unpack. You say, y'all still don't believe I can do that, do you? Verse 3, and they ran out of wine. And the mother of Jesus said to him, we have, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does, what does your concern have to do with me? It's my hour has not yet come. That's the key to that sentence. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Keep reading, Jr. Now, because I want to stop there. Now, there were set six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Well, I want to preach right there, but I'll keep reading. And then when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, and the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And the guests, when they have well drunk, see everybody thinks that, oh, keep reading. They brought the good wine, and when they were well drunk, then the inferior. When you kept the good wine until now. And this was the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And manifested his glory, and the disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers, his disciples. And they did not stay, and, and they did not stay there many days. End of story. Next thing you know, he's beating people out of the temple. That's because he got drunk at the party and went to the, party and went to the temple and beat people out of the temple. That's what happens when you get drunk. You go crazy. That is not what happened. Anybody lifts that out of context and puts that out on there on me, may the curse of revelation be on your life. Because that's what people do. <laughs> we read it all. Now are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to tell you again. It wasn't about the wine. It wasn't about the bridegroom. Well, it was about the wine and it was about the bridegroom. But it wasn't about the water in the pot, the wine that came out of the pot, or the man that was getting married. It was about Jesus. I don't, I don't even... If you teach what's true, sometimes you don't even have to go that far into what's stupid. But, so let's teach what's true for a minute, all right? First of all, I like, woman, what's this have to do with me? It's not my time. And what you need to understand about Jesus, he said, I do nothing lest I see my Father, 
lest I hear my father. Everything, everything Jesus done on earth as a man, when the word became flesh. If you don't hear anything else tonight, well, I want you to hear a few other things, but hear this. What we need to understand about Jesus Christ, when the word became flesh, he was and is and always has been and always will be God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same as in the beginning with God. Jesus Christ the same. Somebody say the same. Yesterday, today, forever. He's the same. So, but as a, everything, the word became flesh for one reason. Well, John's epistle says that for this cause, for this purpose, the Son of Man was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why did he come? Why was he made manifest? To destroy the works of the devil. Why did he come? He lived to die. This is, in this, God committed his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. In this, while we were yet sinners, God commended his own love to, towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he come? He came to destroy the bondage, the penalty of sin. He came, it had to be, it had to be him. It had, well, it had to be him. He had to come, he had to live, he had, and he had to live a, a perfect life. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul tells you, you know what it's going to be. He says, I determined to know nothing among you, save, or that means accept, Jesus Christ and him crucified. What does that mean? Who he is, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, and him crucified, what he done. He was the only acceptable sacrifice. It had to be him. And it was the only way. It had to be blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That's what the word of God says. He came for one reason. And when he came, he came because man fell, the first Adam fell sinned. It says, it says Eve was deceived, but Adam transgressed. The Bible says in Romans, says that because of one man, I always like to let you ladies off the hook because y'all get a bad rap. Eve got a bad rap. Because the Bible says it was because of one man's sin. Not, two, not, not one couple's or not Adam's wife. I mean, Adam tried to pull that. Remember, he tried to pull that in the garden. What he done? Adam, he said... God comes down and he says, what have you done, Adam? He said, well, it was that woman you gave me. That's what he said. Go read it. It's in there. That's not even the JRV. That's the King James. It's that woman you gave me. No, the Bible says it's one man's sin. It said because, one man, because of one man's sin that there was one, there was one man needed. The second Adam, that's Jesus Christ, the perfect. He, he, was, he was, had to be born of a virgin. By the way, anybody... Uh, any Bible. You say, what Bible should I use? I can tell you one thing. If a, we need a Bible that says that he was born of a virgin, not that he was born of a maiden. Amen. Had to be born of a virgin. First prophecy. I'm, I'm in John chapter 2. First prophecy 
After the fall, remember? What did he say? He said, I will put enmity between the seed of woman and thy seed. Talking to the serpent. Remember? He said, you're going to bruise his heel. But he's going to crush your head. First prophecy. Talking about Jesus. You're going to bruise his heel. Calvary. But he's going to crush your head. Resurrection. Ascension. Glorification. He's going to crush you. You're going to to hurt him. But he's going to crush you. Yeah. Jesus, the sinless, he who knew no sin, became sin that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Where am I righteous? Where are you righteous? In him. In him. See, there's none righteous. Somebody help me. There's none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned. And what? Came short of the glory of God. It had to be him. And Jesus, when when the Son of Man was made manifest, he said, and the Word became flesh. That was when the Son of Man became manifest. And we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. It says that the law came through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You needed grace, and he is the truth. And he says, I don't do anything unless I see my Father. Everything he done, listen to me, he demonstrated something for us. Everything Jesus Christ done on this earth, he done it as a man. In obedience to his Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again. Everything. He was God. Talking about the, well, I'll give you another $50 preacher word, the kenosis of Christ. He was never not God. Always was God. He never gave up his divinity. There's some people that tell he wasn't divine on earth. That's not true. He was divine. But he operated. He didn't set aside the expression of his deity or the possession of us. Scratch. He did not set aside the possession of his deity. He was God. He set aside the expression of his deity. He did not act as God. He didn't do miracles as God. He didn't live sinlessly as God. He lived sinlessly and acted righteously and done miracles as a man. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. He lived, listen to what happened. They're out of wine. What's that to me? There's something big here. There's something big here. I mean, even his own mama, okay? His own mama was involved in this. Son, well, on his mama's side. Oh, y'all don't get, if I got to talking about on his mama's side, not his daddy's side, I won't ever get back to John chapter (laughs) 2. There's something that he's saying here. Jesus has the compassion, has compassion on the needs of men, but it's not what moved him. It's not what caused him to perform a miracle. 
His mama showed him the needs of men. They're out of wine. This is a bad situation. That was a big statement. This is a bad situation. This is embarrassing. This is going to cause strain in the family. This is going to cause division. This could cause a divorce. This, this, they're, they're out of wine. Well, that's bad. But what's that got to do with me? You know what was going on here? His father hadn't said anything. father hadn't said anything what you know what I'm trying to help somebody if we don't we may have to start right here next week I'm trying to help you I want you to understand something Jesus didn't go just go around throwing out miracles he didn't just go around showing off he didn't just go around doing things to impress people he didn't he, he never not one time never ever not one time ever Jesus, his life was about demonstrating obedience to the Father. His life was, a, his life was to demonstrate, what did I tell you just a minute ago? Everything he done on earth, he done as a man in obedience to his Father through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me say it again. Everything he done on earth, he done as a man. In obedience to his Father, by the power of the Holy Ghost. I've told this church for four years that the power of God is in obedience. The power of God, it's why it's important that you're in the Word of God. It's why it's important that you pray. It's why it's important that you learn to hear the voice of God. It's important to know the will of God. Because if you can find, if you can find the will of God, if you can hear from God and you can obey God, you can see God's power in your life. Amen. He demonstrated, the power came every time in obedience to His Father. They have no wine. What's that got to do with me? It's not my time. Oh, but Mary. Oh, Mary, Mary. Mary, Mary. And the mother, his mother said to the servants. Now that Mary, Mary wasn't bossy. That's why I told you Mary was involved in this thing. I mean, you ever had somebody show up at your party and they start telling everybody what to do and everybody in the world. See, I used to be in the wedding business. I did. I used to be in the wedding business. And there's nothing worse than a wedding coordinator that's not a wedding coordinator. Some of y'all don't know that. I hope you never find out. There is nothing worse, there's nothing worse than to have a big wedding and to have somebody that, that knows just enough to be dangerous and thinks they're in charge of everything. Or maybe nobody even put them in charge of everything. They just think they know everything and they come out and being in charge of everything. You ever met them? Something say, amen or oh me. You ever met them? That's bad. They make everybody mad. That wasn't, that wasn't what Mary was doing. His mother said to the servants, I'm, I'm talking about tweet this. You're going to tweet something. You're going to post it on Facebook. Put it on a bumper sticker. Write it on your mirror at home. Put it on your refrigerator. Wherever you can put it. Listen to this. You're not, this is big. And by the way, it is the last recorded words of Mary and the Word of God. Everybody big on me. I, got, I told you I got a message on Mary. I'm just waiting to unload it somewhere. I hadn't decided where I, had a, I mean, I'm going to unload it. But here's one of them. 
And Mary said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Oh, oh, y'all don't know. Y'all don't even understand it. That, that, I mean, if that, if, that, if that would click, y'all would have just, y'all would have ran around the building. Whatever he says, do it. That is it on a bumper sticker. I mean, that, that is everything between the leather in one sentence. Whatever he says, do it. That's it. That's the key. That's the, that, that's the key that unlocks the lock. That's it. John chapter 2. Y'all thought it was about Jesus was a bootlegger. No, it ain't about Jesus was a bootlegger. I got a message somewhere. It's floating out there somewhere. Jesus was not a bootlegger. If you Google that in my name, you'll probably find it. I don't know. I preached it somewhere. Jesus was not a bootlegger. I'll get to that in a minute. Jesus, hey, by the way, Jesus wasn't a bootlegger. Y'all, y'all South text people. Y'all so self-righteous. You from the hills, you know what a bootlegger is, don't you? You know what a bootlegger is? Just came from there. Y'all know what a bootlegger is? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus wasn't a bootlegger. You know, back in the day, my, my papa and my mama's daddy was a bootlegger. I mean, the real kind. I mean, like Dukes of Hazard out running the law through the mountains, slapping the hill, straightening the curves, slapping the hills. Yeah, I mean, you know, some days the mountain might get them, but the law never will. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was my grandpa. That's truth. That's truth. That's true. That's a true story. And that's on the good side. <laughs> that's on the good yeah. Well, then, you know, when I, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, they, had, they still had blue laws. Y'all, you know, anybody know about blue laws? Anybody? Most of you in here, half of you in here. Anybody know? How many knows what blue laws are? Uh, show me who don't know who what blue laws are. Well, blue laws was back in the day when, when Christ still reigned in America. <laughs> well... Back in the day, blue laws was everything. Basically, the, the long and the short of it was everything was closed on Sunday. Grocery stores was closed. The gas stations was closed. Most of the restaurants were closed. All the liquor stores were closed. All that, everything was closed on Sunday because they ought to have been in church. And then they started changing the blue laws. And, but, you know, up until I think Arkansas finally changed it. But up in... Oh, I said that like it needed to be done. I think Arkansas finally changed it. Or I, I think Arkansas changed it. It's not like I finally, finally. <laughs> they, they changed it. Now you, you, you just couldn't buy beer on Sunday. Even after the stores was open, you couldn't buy beer on Sunday. And you, well, in the county, y'all make me shut up. In the county, in the county I was in, they, we were half dry. Everybody was around us was dry. I mean, that was even after the, everything changed. And, you know, the stores were open, but the but state law was still no beer on Sunday, no wine, no no nothing, no alcohol. And and then some of that changed. And but my county was half dry when all the other counties around us were dry. And Franklin County was wet. And 
And, you know, Franklin County, means, that means that was a really busy highway to Franklin County. And in my county, say, well, what's, what's half dry? Well, that means, that means you, can buy weir, weir, you can buy beer and wine, but you can't buy liquor. So you can get drunk, it just takes longer. <laughs> Cheaper. So, you know. And <laughs> Some of y'all got more knowledge than I got. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> Don't get me started on Bud Light. <laughs> this is about Jesus, not about the wine. But since you said it, since you said it, since you said it, since you opened that door, I got a problem and I could preach. I got a problem. I'm going to tell you a problem. I'm going to tell you a problem. I'm going to tell you all a problem. I have got a problem that the winos and the drunks and the boozers in this country have more backbone and more morals than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got a problem with that. I've got a problem with that. I've got a problem with that. I'm going to tell you when, when, when Billy Bob Redneck, and man, I know him. In fact, he... Um, double first cousins <laughs> on my mama and my daddy's side. <laughs> She's so wrapped up in that baby. I'm not even going to get in trouble. When be- they got more convictions than the pulpit. Do y'all have y'all noticed? Pope is quiet. And Darren, what's his name? Dylan Mulvaney, whatever, whatever. I mean, they should, they, they've lost billions of dollars over putting the... You know, I've been so confused. I don't know if he used to be a man or if he used to be a woman. I don't know what he used. I don't know. I'm confused. But it, whatever he was and is, they got... They, they, the Bud Light crowd shut the world down. You know what? The church is quiet. Hello. I, I, I don't have time to talk about Kirbyville right now, but that's happening right here under our nose. Right here under our nose. Mary, verse 5. Mary says whatever he says. Whatever. Hello. Whatever he says. And now there was a set of six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification for the Jews, of the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons of pieces. And Jesus said to them, and listen, what did Mary just say? I'll talk about some of that and just say, what did Mary Mary just say? Whatever he says, do it. The writer, John, starts setting the scene a little bit. There were six, there was water pots of stone, about 20 to 30 gallons a piece. Right? He's setting the scene. He's, you're reading the book. He's setting the scene. He's, he's giving you the setting. It says, and Jesus said to them. What did Mary just say? No, no, no. What did Mary just say? Whatever he says, do that. And now it says, and Jesus said. She just said, whatever he says, do it. Now Jesus is saying something. That's time to listen. Y'all with me?
fill the water pots. Everybody's looking for the will of God today. Well, not everybody, but people that are looking for the will of God today. How, how's God going to do this? How's God going to do that? How's he going to pay this? How's he going to pay that? How's he going to move us into this position? How's he going to move us into that position? I don't know. But they're looking for some hard thing. And he never said anything about a hard thing. He did, she, she didn't say, if he asked you to do something really complex. If he, if, if he says something kind of crazy. No, he says, whatever he says, do it. He said, fill the water pots. I'm trying to teach somebody something right there. I'll talk about the bootlegger again in a minute. Y'all need to learn something good right here. Y'all need to learn something good right here. If people would learn to hear the voice of the Lord, they'll never disagree with this book, ever. It will never disagree with this book. Never. You learn to hear the voice of the Lord, it, it doesn't have to be complicated at all. Because the power of God's in obedience. Fill the water pots. Fill the, fill the pots with water. And they, here, here's the key. He says, whatever he says, do it. And he said, fill the water pots. And they filled them to the brim. But what did they do? What he said. What did they do? What he said. Oh, I don't think you understand. They had a life-altering crisis. Y'all read this and think, well, I mean, this means the party's over soon. Sorry. See you, see you Monday. No, they had a genuine crisis in their culture. And it was an unsolvable issue. I mean, it, got, it was a, they're out of wine. Jesus walks in. Mary's like, they're out of wine. What do you want me to do about it? Whatever he says, do it. Fill the water pots. And they filled the water pots to the brim. I could talk about those six water pots. All through the Word of God, it's always six is about men. Six is always about men, not about God. Six is always about men. According to the purification of the Jews, it was about man's law. Feel the water. The water. I don't even know if I'll even talk about must be born of the water and the Spirit. Woo! I don't know about talk about that spirit all through the word of God is represented by a few things. What is it? One of them is wine. Oil and wine. Six water pots. According to the purification of the Jews. Man's law. There's no point in this story. It becomes about the wine. Oh, it's about the wine, but it's not. Mm -mm. Oh, I gotta press on, press on, press on, press on. Pour out new wine on this thirsty soul of mine. Come, Holy Spirit, move on me. That makes me want to sing. Come, Holy Spirit, 
Move on me. Yeah. <laughs> and he said to them, Draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. That's the groom's daddy. Take it to him. I circled in my Bible and they took it. And he said to them, draw some out now. I skipped a word. Draw some out after a while, when you feel like it, when it's convenient for you. There's something about now, obedience. You know why? I, you know what I think that is, Matt? Now faith is. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast, circle it. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know from where it came. Now I'm wondering... I got, I'm wondering something. Because I'm wondering something because he's already said in, in verse in chapter one. I'm looking for it so I can read it. When he talked about the wind of the, the wind blows where it wishes, where it pleases. And he says, you see not where it comes from or where it goes. It's always consistent. He says, take the what take it. Draw out now, take it to the master of the feast. And when he had tasted the water, he did not know where it came from. That's important. And did not know from where from, did not and did not know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew. And the master called the bridegroom, that's the boy getting married. And said to him, every man at the beginning sets forth the good wine. You say, yeah, I'm about the good stuff too. Please. And when the guests have well drunk, see, I told you. No, 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 no. Let me help you. Let me help you. It literally means when they had drank their fill. Then they bring the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Write it down, Isaiah 25 and 6 and Jeremiah 31 and 12 and Hosea 14 and 1. It's all about when the, when the, when the messianic covenant comes, when, 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 the, when, the, when, when the covenants change, it says it'll be marked by flows of wine and bountiful harvest. 
When we enter out of, out of the church age into the millennial reign, there's going to be an event that happens immediately. Anybody know? Anybody know? When, the church, when you leave the church age into the, and, 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 well, when you leave the church age, not even at the millennial reign. When you leave the church age, what is, the, what is immediately going to happen after that? Marriage supper. Jesus is the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom, and he's saving the best for last. I got to tell you, he's, Jesus is the bridegroom, and he's saving the best for last. And by the way, I can tell you what, do you know what's going to happen first at the marriage supper of the Lamb? I can tell you what, he's going to raise a glass. That's what he said. He's going to raise the cup again. The night he was betrayed, it says he took the cup and took drink. And he offered, he said, take, drink, this is my the blood, the new, new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink, drink it in remembrance of me. This is my body, broken for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. And he says, I will not eat it again until I eat it afresh and new with you in the kingdom. And in the man, <laughs> there's going to come a time when the bridegroom, it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to come a time when the bridegroom is going to raise that glass again. And he's going to say it again. He's going to say, this is the new covenant in my blood. The water and the six pots was about the law and the covenant of man. When it was filled to the brim, it was purified and became something new. Became the new covenant in his blood. The water to wine was about the man to the spirit. The water to wine was about Jesus, not about anything else. It wasn't about, it wasn't about the party. It wasn't about the shame. It wasn't about the making it right. Because, see, Jesus didn't come to make the situations of earth right. He did not come. He came to reconcile man to God. He came to give eternal life. He didn't come to undo all the messes and set up political systems and to, and to take away the hurting and the heartache and to put everything back in order. He did not do that. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came that whosoever believed on him would have everlasting life. That's why he came. That's why he came. The good wine. He said, you have served. He said, most serve. He said, the good wine. He said, most serve the good wine. At front. He said, but you have saved the good wine for last. Go look it up. The good wine. Good. Never mind wine. Let me help you with something. And the last. I, I, I really don't even want to spend that much time on it because it's stupid. Say, I don't like you. I, it's stupid. When you, I've already taught you through most of what this passage is actually about, and it has nothing to do with alcohol. Hey, it's not even a preacher's defense to drink or not drink. And it's not a drunk's defense that it's okay to drink or not to drink. It has nothing to do with it. So I hate to even spend, it has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's everything to do with Jesus and nothing to do with alcohol. 
at all. But since that's what everybody thinks, we've got to deal with a few things. There's one word in, the, in Greek, in, all through the New Covenant in Greek, there's one word for wine. Uh, I think it's O-I-N-O-S, I believe. Onos, something like that. And that word is a generic word. It can mean grape juice. It can mean booze. It can mean jam. It can mean jelly. It can mean fruit. It, it, it simply means fruit of the vine. That's it. Context is everything with that word. But it says it was good. You say the good wine. The good wine. And when you look up the word good wine there, the word good, it means intrinsically good through and through. Do I need to say it again? Intrinsically good. Perfection through and through. And if you want to just talk about it a little more, we'll go to the Passover. Y'all remember the Passover? When the Passover was instituted, which was about him too, by the way. Hello? Feast of Unleavened Bread. Part of the preparation was that with the leaven that the whole house, it wasn't just they threw their sunbeam away. Mrs. Bards, Sarah Lee. It wasn't just they threw their puffy bread away and their chicken and dumplings. And all that's not what, yes, they did. But they not only threw all that stuff out for Passover, they had to go and sweep the house clean. Twice. And the idea was for all traces of yeast and leaven to be removed from the house. The whole idea, because leaven represents sin in the Word of God. And even in the New Testament, it will tell you that a little leaven. How many's ever made bread? Susan, oh, power. Man, I want to preach to you. Y'all don't know. Y'all, y'all just forget I'm saying this because she ain't making y'all any. Don't even ask her. She's not sharing a recipe. But man, does she make some good bread? If you know, thank you. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, sorry about you. Because she don't, she didn't open a bakery. But I, Susan could tell us that it doesn't take a whole lot of leaven. doesn't take a whole lot of yeast to leaven that bread. It just takes a little yeast and a little time. And a little heat. A little warm. Warm, if it's warm, it's better. It happens quicker. But it doesn't take much. Just a little yeast. And a little time. And that whole batch. I mean, it's a, yeah, y'all ever made bread? Y'all, yeah. Did you get it to rise? Then you know that it just, the, the ratio compared to the flour and the baking soda, all that stuff, all the baking powder, all that stuff, it's nothing. 
but yet it leavens everything. A little leaven, a little sin will kill everything. Sweep the house, get rid of the leaven, sweep the house clean twice. The feast of Passover and the Passover wine was about Jesus too. I could literally teach three hours on it, but y'all don't have three hours and Y'all's eyes would glaze over. Y'all just want me to get to the point on this. Jesus was sinless. Absolutely perfection. If he would sin in word, action, or deed, he would have been disqualified. Even the Passover lamb had to be a lamb without blemish. Remember? A lamb without blemish. That was about Jesus. He was the sinless. What, what John the Baptist in chapter 1? Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He who knew no sin became sin that I might become the righteousness of God. Where? In Christ Jesus. Where? In Christ Jesus. John chapter 2 is about Jesus, about the bridegroom, the capital B bridegroom. It was, it says, don't forget what we told you first. John chapter 114, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 2, verse 11, this was the beginning of miracles, the first time that Jesus showed us his glory. When you learn what's true, it's ridiculous the arguments people have over John chapter 2. If you think Jesus bringing alcohol to people that were already drunk is what John chapter 2 is about, then you don't understand him at all. Or what John chapter 2 is about. And here's another problem. Are you still with me? You can check it all out. The water to wine, six pots, was about the law and man. And the wine was about his divine nature, about the beginning of the messianic age. He's, it's him. He's showing who he is. It's, hey, you know what it's literally saying, Matt? Hey, it's me. It's me. That's what it's about. So let me help you out with another thing that's absolute fact. In this, I'm trying to deal with things because people want to argue over, well, their wine was this and it was diluted and it was, uh, who cares? Well, I can talk about that in a minute. Who cares? Who cares? This wine was about him. That had to be sinless. Unleavened, unfermented, had to be. And there's another reason. Are, are you still here? Yeah. It's just eight fifteen. It ain't even. It ain't, it, I ain't even pushing your patience yet. Are you still here? Are you still here? When they were well drunk, 
there's a problem that if they were intoxicated, means when they had drank their fill, when they had, there's a problem if they, let's just go along with you. There's some people just want to, so we're just going to go along with you. We're just going to go along with them. They're all drunk. And Jesus brings more, uh, six water pots times 180 gallons. Jesus brings them 180 gallons of booze. There's a problem with that, Matt. And the problem would be he would have broken the law. Oh, he came to fulfill the law. Had to be perfect. It would have broken the law because it would have broken the law of temperance. Had he brought people that had already went past temperance, past self-control, and indulged them to debauchery. Be not drunk with wine as to excess. That literally means be not drunk with wine as to debauchery. It would have literally broken the law of Moses. And the very first event of his ministry would have disqualified him from being the Lamb of God. End of story. Indisputable. You can argue all day long. You can talk about it. You can theologize. You can flap your gums. You can talk into an endless stupor. But that is a fact. That's a fact. You know, I've had weeks, I had weeks gone last week and the week before, and then the week before that I had another message on my, but I, I was not prepared in a lot of ways, mostly mentally, to even discuss John chapter 2 yet. Because we live in an age where people just want to do what they want to. They want to live the way they want to. They want to go to heaven, but they just want to live the way they want to. And eisegesis means they're going to take it and they're going to make it anything they want it to be. And let me tell you, the Word of God doesn't, doesn't say a million things. What I'm saying is, it's, it's absolute truth. Right. And you can know the absolute truth. It may require you to read. No, I, there ain't no may about it. It will require you to read. It will require you to study to show yourself approved. To rightly divide the word of truth. It will require you to let the teacher, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth to come. And to guide you into all truth. It will require that. But you can know the truth. And the truth is a man, by the way. That's a little later in John. You shall know the truth. That's a man. That's Jesus. And the truth will make you free. And then the Son is set free. That's the truth. It's free indeed. No. No. See, I was telling you, my, you know, back in my papa's days, he was a bootlegger. Ooh. Like a bootlegger. You know, then when I got a little older and the blue law started to go out and you just couldn't buy beer on Sunday, that means people that didn't get enough on Saturday, they had two choices. We lived about 35, 40 miles off the Oklahoma line, and you could drive to Oklahoma and get Sunday beer, which was watered down, I hear. <laughs> I never, I, I, I've never been a beer drinker. I'm just being funny watered down Sunday beer that was your choice or because you couldn't buy it 
You stack up Saturday. I mean, they, they, did that. they did that. But, I mean, more people showed up to party than, you know, they ran out. By the way, if, if you, as long as you're buying the beer and, and, and cooking the steaks, you'll have friends. That's free. That's free. Somebody put that on Twitter. As long as you're buying the beer and cooking the steak, you'll got friends. The, time, the second you're broke and you can't do it anymore, you'll be like, where are them people at? I fed them and they'll be like, sorry, bro. Peace out. Somebody out in this house ought to say amen, preacher, because it's the truth. Young person, hear me. Newly married person, hear me. Just out of the house person, hear me. As long as you're buying, you'll have friends. The second your well dries up, there won't be nobody pouring no, nothing down your well. You'll, the only well you'll have is, well, wonder where they're at. Yep. Jeff, I'll take another offering because that was good. <laughs> and it's tr- somebody, somebody in this house, raise your hand and say, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, you, had, you, you went to Oklahoma for Sunday beer, or you went to the bootlegger. The modern day, that's, that's, that's the dude that stocked up. That, that's the dude that don't even drink because he's smarter than you. Yeah. Somebody fall out. <laughs> 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 I want to tell you, it's bad when your bootlegger's smarter than you are. About half of this church knows that's good preaching. The other half just thinks I'm crazy. It's good preaching. That tell you, I'm going to tell you, that tells you, you a sucker! Which one do you like? Oh, I don't know. I don't never touch the stuff. That's your bootlegger. I don't touch the stuff. Hello? Thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy. That's John chapter 10. There's some things I know. As long as we're talking about it, there's some things I know. There's nothing that's ever destroyed more. Nothing. Nothing has ever destroyed more lives, killed more people, broken more marriages, been in more domestic disputes, more homicides, more suicides, more car accidents, more need I go on. Prove me wrong, you can't. The thief cometh not but to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. No, I ain't even going to walk through that. I'm not even discussing John chapter 2. I'm just giving you this free stuff. I'm giving you this free stuff. Jesus wasn't the weekend bootlegger at the wedding feast. He didn't come to bring death. He came to bring life. His first miracle. Somebody tell me, do you really think? Uh, never mind. You've heard, the, you've heard the goods now. If, I, if this was the beginning of the service, somebody tell me, do you think this first manifestation of his glory? Boy, I give it. Well, giving y'all something to chew on. John chapter 2 was about the beginning of the Messianic age. 
the Messiah had came. It was about God's timing. It's not my time, woman. It was about his responsibility. Can I cover this one more time? I told you that the, bride, that the bridegroom's family was in charge of the wedding. You know, we live in an age where the bride basically pays for the wedding. You know, bride's daddy. <laughs> oh, that made me dizzy. <laughs> bridegroom's family. And it was a very important thing. This is about the beginning of the Messianic age. It was about six pots of water, six pots of man and the law, water of the law became the Messiah had come. In the Messianic age, the bridegroom would be responsible for the wine. Jesus is the bridegroom of the new covenant. Why did he bring those six pots of water into the Messianic age. Why did he bring? Why did he bring the new covenant of, of, of wine into the Messianic age? Because he was the bridegroom, Matt, and because it was his responsibility to make it, to bring it in. It would have been a hopeless case without it. Oh. Man, I could have ripped every cliche tonight and I could have taught on I better read Psalm 34 first. Do you know how many of the Psalms are Messianic and prophetic? Let me, let me hit, look. This is it. You ready? Now draw some and take it to the master. And he took it. And when the master of the feast, when, verse 9, and when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, did not know where it comes from. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, every man sets out the good wine. But he, but the guest of well drunk, it's inferior. And then they, but you have kept the good wine until now. It says, when the master of the feast had tasted. Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from my fears. And uh, they looked on him and were radiant. They looked on him and were radiant. And their faces were out, were not ashamed. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. The master of the feast took the wine and tasted it and said, man, this is good. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him yes they are parallels yes they go together when the master of the feast had tasted 
he saw it was good. Psalm 34, the psalmist said, oh, he said, I looked on him and he saw me in my troubles. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. 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 And you know what? He saved the best for last. There had been a river of blood from lambs from the time of Adam until that very day. But God saved the best for last. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for opening your word. Thank you for the hearing of your word. Thank you. Thank you for the blood applied. Lord, we just love you. Love you. Love you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Won't you just sing that a little, Brandon? Just the chorus. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. coming to help you. You can get into her key. That's just where we'll end. It's, I thank him for the blood applied. And one thing I would always remember, I want us to know, one thing that'll help everybody, we, we teach the word, on, well, we preach the word all the time. We teach the word on Wednesday night. 
there's one thing that will change everything in your perception about when you read that'll keep you on track better than anything else is this book from from Genesis 1 and 1 to to Revelation 23 21 is the story of Jesus Christ every bit of it it's about him it's all about him there's very few things that, uh, that bigger than that understanding that will keep you on track when you read is to understand that it's about him who he is and what he's done from the beginning to the end and the words of Jesus are not just what's in red. That was a marketing trick to sell Bibles, and it's a good one. I like it. I like it. But the words in red are just some of the things that were recorded when the Word became flesh. The fact of the matter is, is in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. Every bit of it is Jesus. Jesus.